Hey, welcome to Radio DePaul Sports. The student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. This is what you've never heard of. I'm Jacob Ellis. And I'm Trenton Seto. Our guest today is Grant Holland. Hi, Grant. Hi. I was telling Trenton about this, like, Apple update with the, like, name highlighting thing. He has no idea because he's on, like, Android. Maybe he's on, like, a flip phone. I have actually seen his phone, so I don't know. I only communicate by carrier pigeon. I'm sorry. The problem with that is you send me carrier pigeons. I find them dead on my stoop because my cat killed it. Uh, so that's why they never come back. No, that's why I send hawks back, and then you got a problem with, like, a hawk <laughs> breaking into your window. Like, Ca-ca! It just kicks open my window in the middle of the night and says, here you go. Yeah, well, that's the, a hawk is going to survive, you know. Carrier pigeons, they could get attacked by hawks. And that was a problem with carrier pigeons, is they sometimes died, and you didn't get the message. For some war, there was some military that was trying to train dolphins to have, like, bombs on them and hit submarines. Was this real? Because I know, like, in one of the Command and Conquer games, I think it was Red Alert 2. They had... I'm pretty sure that, no, that's the thing, is I'm pretty sure it was a real, at least they had, like, preliminary research into it. Because there's a lot of military things that are crazy that they had preliminary research into. So when they released it years later, the government had to explain why they were trying to poison Hitler with estrogen pills. Because they tried, I think they tried something like, there was like 95 different assassination attempts for Fidel Castro on the books for the CIA. And among them was like a exploding cigar. And a different one was like, it was going to be poisonous chocolate ice cream. Because Fidel Castro loved ice cream so much. Hmm. No, he, because he had been in America when he was a younger kid. And he just loved the old-fashioned ice cream polo, polos in America. So he, when he like became ruler of communist cuba he made sure that there were ice cream parlors in every town and he made like so it was government funded because communist ice cream parlors everywhere <laughs> i mean say what you will about communism that's a good idea it's just ice cream parlors everywhere. they have ice cream that's like come to the dark side we have cookies <laughs> it is the same thing <laughs> it's the same vibe uh <laughs> um we should we should create a history channel history podcast there was i remember like this is somewhat political but not really there was some like trump pro trump guy was on the news and he was complaining about if like someone wins los angeles is gonna have too many immigrants and there's gonna be taco trucks on every corner and two thoughts on that one have you ever been to los angeles there's already taco trucks on every corner and two, who doesn't like tacos? Have you ever played any of those food games? Those food, like, flash games? I didn't play with my food. That was frowned upon. No, 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 no. The flash games, like like Papa's Tacoria or Papa's Freezeria, Pasteria, Pizzeria, any of those. Oh, you mean, like, in cool math games? Yes. Like, just, there was... Just... Yeah, so, like, I played all of them. The only one I ever got far on was Papa's Pancakeria. I got to like level 29 or something. And then Grant is here. <laughs> he came in. Anyway, Grant, did you know that at WCI you were allowed to go in the library at lunch and just play games on the computers? Of course I did. You were the one who first showed me Papa's Hot Doggeria. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually did. I played that with you during lunch sometimes. 
Okay, because they stopped it right when I would do that sometimes with Kai. I would play Pancakeria, and they stopped letting us do that right before I got to the end of Pancakes, Papa's Pancakeria, whatever. So I never know what was the last special item you could get. I mean, you could you could start it up now. Now's a good time. It's the no, middle of a boring. pandemic. It's, it's kind of boring now. Now you look oh. back and it was like, why did I spend so much time on this virtual game? Yeah, kids have such a low bar for entertainment. <laughs> Do you know what that cookie clicking crap was? It was like oh, cookie Yeah. I never played it really. Or the I, I knew someone who did and they had like bonuses or whatever. And I was like, huh? How about the one that was twenty forty eight where you're just moving around the numbers and combining them? Oh, I still have that. That's fun. <laughs> it's more mental. That's not the same because you're like you have to actually figure it out, and it's more of a mental game. Yeah, with the cookie clickers, it was like there are infinite number of variations. I remember my sister had one that was goat themed. So like, you collected goat poop, I think <laughs> something like that, and use the goat poop to buy more goats. But you could also combine goats to get like like level two goats, and then level two goats would combine into level four goats or whatever. It was wild. All right. So now we got <laughs> goat. <laughs> poop clicker uh okay what was the game you were telling me about trenton on cool math game spike it was no it was like a separate site so so cool math games was supposed to be for like learning multiplication and stuff like that never was and then there was like a separate link that took you to spike's game zone and that had games that were totally not educational but we passed them off to the teacher as hey this is an educational game we're gonna play it um, and it had, well, my favorite game on Spike's Game Zone was Crazy Taxi, in which you're just ramming into other companies. I ever play that. Grant, did you ever play Frizzle Frazz on, like, cool math games or addicting games or any of those? No, I think the top game I would play was the Run series. Oh, okay, yeah. Like, Run, well, Run 2. Yeah, Frizzle Frazz, I don't even remember. It was like you were a ball, and you would just, it would be like Mario and just get around the things. But when I was younger, I'd use Frizzle Frazz as a course word. So anytime I, I hurt myself, I would yell, Frizzle Frazz. And I yelled that once in the middle of a crowded grocery store. But we should stop talking about all this Frizzle Frazz stuff. Trenton, why did I invite my tall friend from the West Coast onto the show? That was, uh, that was a beautiful transition as always, Jacob. But we are covering the game of Spikeball today. Okay, so Spikeball, which is also known as Round Net, is a popular game where teams of two face off against each other and volley and spike a ball, similar to volleyball, in but into a tiny trampoline net thing that if that you try to like make sure it hits against it. And then like if it doesn't hit the net or you hit it too many times, you lose. And you go into turns like that. So Trenton, why is Grant here? I don't know. Why is Grant here, Jacob? I don't know. I just want to see him. No. So Grant <laughs> is actually, he, I, he, anytime I would like hang out with him, he would bring along him and our other friend Nathan McCutcheon would love to bring like spike ball sets and we would play that while we were hanging out. And then I know that now, Grant, you did like tournaments of some kind for spike ball. Yeah, I've played in a couple. Um, 
now that I now that I'm in college, uh, the college spike ball scene is actually decently busy. So there've been like a couple college hosted tournaments that I've gone to. Okay, so because of that, it was made sense. So bring Grant along. But Grant, you can just chill out for now while we get into origins, and then we're gonna ask you a ton of questions about how to hit a ball onto a trampoline in a cool way. Sounds good. Trenton, where the heck did this game come from? Well, funny you should ask. It was originally created in 1989 by Jeff Nur, and he got a Japanese toy company to start producing the set for his company. Um, it was originally called Roundnet, but eventually the equipment became outdated. Uh, it wasn't as popular as he had hoped it would be, and it was out of business by... 1995 but it made its return in 2008 when chris rudder who was still playing that original round net game uh bought the rights to the game and revived it with his own company called spikeball inc and since the company manufactures its own equipment it's been called spikeball um and he pitched the company on shark tank in 2015 and although he didn't get an investment it did get a lot of exposure and the company sales skyrocketed. Um, so now throughout the U.S., sets are readily available. Um, whether you're, you're getting it online or in a store. And uh, tournaments are also shown on ESPN. So, you know, they've, they've made it big. Yeah, so it's a relatively recent game compared to most we talk about. Uh, and it's, it's very easy to like get into it. We make some where it's like cheese rolling, where it's like you got to find a hill, you got to find a wheel of cheese, you got to find a lot of people. This could just be you and some friend do this, and you really don't even need their set. If you have a tiny trampoline or a tiny net thing, you could probably make it easily, but it makes sense to use their set just out of simpleness. But the rules of it are quite straightforward, so again. It's um, it's a small like trampoline like net. Uh, it's usually teams of four. Grant can ever be more than teams of two, two teams of two. Um, I don't think competitively. No, I mean obviously you can do whatever you want with the set, but as far as I've seen, like pro play or competitive play or just any tournament really, it's always two v two. Okay, and then yeah, so just correct me if I'm ever wrong on this. I took this from the Spike Ball site. But I don't know if they like have more simplified rules or something like that. So all players except for the receiver must begin the point at least six feet from the net. So a receiver would be like the other team of the team serving. Someone will serve the ball. Uh, and then basically by how is it actually serve? I haven't played this in a while. You like toss it up and hit it or is it like throw it on? Yeah, as far as the serving rules go, the server has to start behind the, the six-foot line away from the net. And after you call the score, you're allowed to take one step with a single foot. Uh, if you ever, like, if you happen to lift the second foot after that, it's a, it's a fault and the other team gets the point. So you can take one step optionally. And then as um, for what you do with your hands, you can you have to toss the ball with one hand and hit it um you can you can toss it with the same hand but there's also some minute rules like once you toss it it has to travel at least a couple inches before you hit it so that you're so you can't just like 
like toss it and immediately slap it on um, insanely quickly. But yeah, those are the basics of the rules. Okay, for scoring, uh, so spike ball round net is played. Use have you ever heard it called round net? Um, that's kind of I a just, whole. That's kind of a whole tangent. Yeah, I don't care. I'm going to talk about tiger sharks later. <laughs> Technically, the sport is called round net and not spike ball. If you want to get into like the whole the whole background of that, basically. Um, like you said, spike ball kind of re rejuvenized um, the sport of round net, but because they were kind of the only big name company making sets, people just started calling it spike ball. And the problem with that from the company's point of view is I'm not super well versed in this sort of stuff, but in terms of like copyright laws, there's some kind of um, concept of if a certain name gets used commonly enough to the point where it's almost like an almost becomes an english word you're not allowed to kind of have a copyright on it anymore so that's happened to things like advil i think there's a there's a couple examples of um, words that used to be like copyrighted company names that people just started using to describe the product like the actual product itself and because of that you kind of i think you lose the ability to copyright that word or phrase or whatever. So the reason why there's this kind of spike ball versus round net thing is because spike ball understands that and they are trying their very hardest to um, get people to call the sport round net so that they, so that that doesn't happen to them. Okay. That's a good reason. I think they already failed, but yeah. Cause yeah. I've never, I didn't even know round net. It was called round net before researching for this, but yeah. yeah um, I'm probably just going to call it spike ball for the rest of this. Okay, so spike ball round net is uh, played using rally scoring. Uh, points can be won by the solving or receiving team. Uh, games are typically played to 11, 15, or 21. Is that typical? Yeah, typically um, 21, like in tournament games. And then if you're doing a best of three or best of five or something like that, the final game would be played to 15 instead of 21. Okay, and then it's games have to be run by two points unless otherwise, right? Yeah, win by two, and then some tournaments will put a point cap if they don't want games going too long. Okay, I think I'm just going to skip two. Is there a lot of violations we should probably go over? Um, depends on your definition of a lot. There's, there's some. I don't, the only inf- So, yeah, the only infractions they say, like, on their site is player safety is paramount. Okay, and then... Defending players must make an effort not to impede the offensive team's possession, which makes sense because you can go 360 in this. So it makes sense. Like you can't just push someone and stuff like that, but yeah. And then if an offense, if an offender collides with a defender or defensive position prevents a marketable offensive play on the ball, the infracted player must call hinder to force a replay of the point. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, it happens a decent number of times. Um, and the rules are still changing because, like you said, this this sport is still relatively new. And so I, I'm not super up to date on where, st- where they stand now, but I think there's also some kind of distinction between like a strong hinder and a weak hinder. So, for example, if I'm the offensive team and I get, you know, a, a nice set and I'm about to slam it and then my arm like knocks into someone, um that'd be considered like a strong hinder because i was about to get a really good play on the ball um and i and i think at one point it used to be that 
uh, strong hinders, you would just auto the offensive team would just automatically get the point because you just assume that they would have gotten it if that hadn't happened. But then there's also something like where if the if one offensive team hits the ball and then I go chase it, get it up, and my partner's running to get the ball that I pass to him, and he collides with someone. You know, it's not necessarily like we were we were probably going to get the point. It's just kind of in the middle of the play. That'd be more of like a weak hinder, and instead of us automatically get the point, we'd just replay the entire the entire play. But like I said, these rules are always changing, and so like one, one variation I've heard is that on a strong hinder, instead of automatically getting the point, you get to serve the ball, and if you win that point, you get two points or something so it's like you have to win the next point in order to get your hinder point but yeah rules are changing <laughs> but that's the game that's the general gist of hinders okay trenton do you want to go over stats yeah so within the spike ball company the spike ball round net association is the one that manages the tournaments um and the first recorded national tournament was in 2014 in santa monica so they had tor- they had tournaments before, but that was the first one where it was nationally, and they like it was they had rounds going up to it. And it was national, like people came in and stuff. Um, the last tournament that was held, according to the site, was in 2019 in Richmond, Virginia, which is odd. I wonder, Jacob, we've mentioned before all these sports that we've covered haven't had competitions in the in 2020 and 2021. It's really weird. I don't know why, why. every sport has decided yeah. not to have competitions this year. Really I don't wild. know why either. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah, okay. So back in 2019, uh, the winner of the pro division was a duo called Sisek and Showalter. Sisek Showalter, yeah. Sisek Showalter. They were like, yeah, I watched like two videos and both videos were like, they're the best. So I'm guessing they're somewhat famous in this. Yeah, I would I would say they're still probably the top spike ball duo in, in the world, honestly. Okay. And then um so auto division, so you don't have to be in the pro division. They also do at the national tournaments, they do women's premier, advanced, intermediate, women's intermediate, and youth. Uh, I don't know what they define youth as. Um, but women also know women can also compete in non-women categories, they just have a separate women category. Like the last win of the immediate intermediate championship was a mixed team of a man and a woman. Uh, there's also college tournaments, as Grant will tell you. Uh, there is national college tournaments. I dumbly, before researching this, did not look up if DePaul had any sort of spike ball association, which probably would have been a good thing to look up and maybe even reach out to them and say, hey, we're going to talk about spike ball. But yeah. If they yeah, are, I don't, they, I don't, I don't actually, know if there's an official one. Um, they just do it for intramurals, I think. Even them, it might have been like find someone who's into it. But yeah, I didn't. I know I've seen in the quad someone doing this, but yeah. Uh, and then fun fact: the Midwestern regionals are usually held in Chicago since Spike Ball's HQ is in Chicago. So there you go. If you want to catch it, probably maybe not 2021, but 2022. The regionals will be here. Uh, anyway, Trenton, you found some records. Yeah, uh, I don't know how official it is. It's a it's a site called RecordSetter.com, and supposedly they have spike ball world records. So the first one is that the largest tournament was ninety three teams held during summer spike in Coney Island, 
And the second record is that the farthest spike ball served was from 64 feet away. Again, I'm not sure how official this site is. Uh, it seemed like it was just up to whoever wants to, to, to give a video submission of their record. So um, speaking of one, I, I feel I should mention is uh, I'm pretty sure the longest tournament game in terms of number of points scored uh, went up to 54 to 56, which is rather impressive considering once you reach 21, any team that uh, gets ahead by two points wins. So that means that they were constantly battling back and forth with only ever a one-point lead all the way from 21, 21-ish up to 54, 56. And if uh, you're interested in watching watching that set, you can go to the YouTube channel How to Round Net. Um, it's actually a good YouTube general YouTube channel in general if you're curious about the sport and uh, want to watch like tutorial videos about different skills. Um, but yeah, that, that video is up there and it's kind of an, an, an analysis of <laughs> that hella long game. Okay, it was how to round net. How to round net? Yes. Okay, how to round net? Give us money now. <laughs> okay. Um. So strategies. Uh, we usually leave this blank when we have a guest. Grant, is there any explicit strategies? Pretend you're in a game. You're on Trenton's team. I have with me, we're going to say Kai, because I already had Kai in the show. So they have some idea of it's a guy who does Muay Thai. So there we go. <laughs> on a beach, what is your strategy for beating us other than the fact that probably me and Kai are really terrible? Um, my strategy would probably be to just get my serve like not go all out on my serves like i would in a tournament but just get them on consistently because even a like a medium speed serve i'd say it would be hard for newcomers to to return and that's kind of related to something i thought i'd, I'd bring up just about the sport in general one of the main complaints players have is that the sport is highly um it highly favors uh, the the offensive rather than the defensive so for example when you're serving um at a certain level like some serves just get insanely good and ser serving serving versus receiving it's not as bad as like once you actually start once you get into the play but like so let's let's say i serve and you receive if you get a decent receive you're 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 very likely to win the point because it's it's very hard to play defense against a good good hitting team and the reason people don't like that is because it means that every play only lasts for like 10 seconds and people like, you know, they like longer plays. They like rallies. They like, you know, running all over the place, getting good defensive ups and, you know, excitement, all that stuff. So it can be a bit of a letdown if every point's only like 10 seconds. Um, so there's actually a lot of people who are trying to experiment with new rules that could create more rallies and longer rallies while still keeping the game fun, still keeping it skillful, all that stuff. Um, so some, some of like the sample rules people are coming up with is like um, putting a barrier around the net that you can't step inside of. So that'll, that means that you have to hit from a little bit further off the net, which limits like the number of directions you can hit in. Stuff like playing with a bigger ball, um, yeah, rules like that that just generally make it slightly harder on the offensive side so that it's a bit more of an even match. And you have to be a little bit smarter to get to get kills offensively. Yeah, so what we pretty much decided was you're going to beat me and Kai. 
even if we make a new rule. Uh, but Trenton, uh, there really isn't a controversy in this game. I, I put it cost, I found out it cost like $54 is the cheapest one. I thought that was more expensive than I expected it to be. But I guess if their cheapest model is still high quality, because I just, I expected they would have a cheap one that's like really bad plastic. I guess if the cheapest one is still high quality, I guess 54. Are there knockoff brands? There are knockoff brands. Yeah, Spikeball is the most well-known manufacturer of round net equipment, but you can look up brands like uh, Slamo with two M's, uh, Spiderball, but spider is spelled with a Y instead of an I. Yeah, so there's there's a decent number of third-party manufacturers out there. And yeah, about the $54 thing. um, Yeah, I was surprised about that. Like when I first wanted to get a Spikeball set, um, I'd say it's decently fair. I'm pretty sure for both their normal and their pro sets, they offer lifetime warranty. So if you you break well, a piece, they do. Oh, yeah, if you break a piece, you just mail it in and they'll send you a new one. Because that 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 happened. Like if if you're you know goofing around, that'll happen. <laughs> You'll like someone will trip, land on the set, um, piece of the rim just snaps in half. But yeah, they that's part of the reason the cost is so high for both sets is. I'm 100% sure you get it for the pro, and I think you also get the lifetime warranty for the regular sets. Even so, though, the pro set, I think, is $100. So quite the investment. Yeah, I saw the pro set. Uh, I also saw some other sets, but I'm going to mention them. And we usually do how to improve the game. We usually only talk about this if it's a very flawed game. There's no flaws, so it's only about how do we make it more exciting. Um, I'm not going to even talk about balls on file. Um, but we found there's like a ton of variations. As you say, some people try to like fix the offense forces, the offensive advantage to make it more even. But uh, there's some advantages like I found people who like get a board and they'll float in the water. So they're like on a floating board just in a lake and they might actually fall off. And that's a problem to get a ball. But then Spikeball noticed this and created a floating one called Spike Boy, like Bowie. Yeah, Spike Boy. <laughs> yeah, and then it's like you can put it in lakes, you can put it in a pool, so you can play in a pool, which I thought was kind of cool. It also just kind of looked like they saw a way to get money, but good for them. Walking capitalism. Yeah, if there's one thing I'll say about Spikeball, it's they know how to, they know how to like make. Like like just absolutely go go off on on the sport and like you know make spike buoy make glow in the dark balls they have their own merch line too like almost any clothing item you can imagine with with some kind of spike ball thing on it and then there's the balls that like I mentioned glow in the dark but like so many different colored balls and every time they come out with a new one you know they make hella bank because everyone's all excited to get the new colored ball it's funny yeah it's, I did what's yeah, with Glow in the Dark, let me just mention, and then I'll let you go, Trent. The Glow in the Dark, they did create Spike Bright, where it was like lights you can put around the net, so it like glows up so you can play at night. So you get that and a Glow in the Dark ball, and you can play at nighttime. And I thought that was cool. Yeah, the, the cool thing about Spike Bright, too, it's actually different from their original Glow in the Dark balls, is the Glow in the Dark balls, it's like you're, you know, you're, your stars on the ceiling you might have had as a kid where they, yeah. they'll absorb the light and then they'll be all green glowing uh, in the dark. But Spike Bright, not only do you have like these additional 
LED pieces you could attach to the leg, I mean, to the rim, so that the rim is also visible at night. But the ball that they sew is spiked right, it actually has an LED inside of it. So it's not just kind of this weak glow in the dark light. It's a, it's a literal bright light LED inside the ball. So pretty, pretty decent solution to the, the common problem people are having of not being able to play once the sun went down. I, I just saw that the ball is charged by USB. Uh, I never expected that you'd plug a USB into your ball. <laughs> but I, I guess. Yeah, Trent, it's modern the technology. Future. Yeah, it's the, the future. future. <laughs> the future of sports. Um, there we go. Yeah. Um, so just auto versions. Uh, one version I saw is I saw people who they dug a giant, they were at a beach, they dug a giant hole into the sand and then like put the put the um the net so it was actually like level with ground so you had to hit downward to get it so it was like a giant pit with it in it and i thought that was really cool uh the other one i put it's sort of i don't know if you've seen it but people have made like extension sets so it's like one two and then there's a little one in between like a bridge so it's an extra long net so you can play with like more people easily that way has anyone ever tried playing it on like a trampoline so not only is the the spike ball set or the round net self itself a trampoline but you're also playing it while on a trampoline i've never heard of that but i wouldn't be surprised um that's how like the fifteen thousand people per year who die from on trampolines that's how they die they try spike ball on it or something <laughs> yeah i mean people do you know do crazy stuff <laughs> You, you mentioned you didn't want to talk about balls on fire. Yes, that, that is a thing I've seen. Um, if you go over to like the spike ball Instagram, uh, they post pretty often, like either just, you know, good spike ball plays or just cool inventive, uh, inventive ways people have played spike ball. Like I've seen one where hockey players were playing it on ice with their skates on. That was pretty cool. Stuff like that. I'm, uh, I'm seeing right now a video of, people playing spike balls that are on fire and something they didn't realize would happen is that the net catches fire too. I, they probably did. They were like, this is cool. <laughs> that's, that's also probably true. Uh, what was the other one you had Trenton 360 ball? That sounds oh, like the same thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, I stumbled across it while looking at round net slash spike ball and 360 ball is literally just spike ball or round net but it's played with rackets in an enclosed circular court so basically it's like spike ball meets racquetball um and it was created in like the 1980s or 1990s by mark and john collins in south africa and then it was brought back around 2010 but something interesting i saw on the website is that it's only in spain south africa france and the netherlands okay yeah it's sort of different but it is the same idea uh yeah that was the first time i've heard of that there you go grant you can bring that to the spike ball people say add this so you know what's a question i didn't ask even at the show trendon have you actually ever played spike ball i have not actually um i was supposed to at a family gathering that was supposed to happen and then COVID happened and never actually. COVID took away all of your joy. That's terrible. Yeah. Okay. 
we're gonna have to like bring up the spike ball set to you so you can play that would be fun to do in the radio station or something or doing that, that like that area outside the radio station where people are walking by with Sbarro. <laughs> that would be the place to do it but okay i think it's time we're getting to our final decision trenton so is it a sport uh yeah i i definitely think so <laughs> I think Spikeball, the company, would be very happy to hear you say that because one of their main objectives, aside from you know profiting, um, has been to <laughs> make Spikeball's status a sport rather than like a game. Because you know things like Jenga is a game, uh, foosball is a game, and you know I'm certain at first you know Spikeball was thought of as a game, but I mean, I, they've said, they've said, I'm pretty sure that they, their, their end goal, like their, their dream would to be, would be to see spike ball become like an Olympic sport, maybe even at one point, something like that. So they're, they're actually doing a ton of work to just promote the sport worldwide. Like they have a whole ambassador program set up um, where they, you know, get people that are super into spike ball to go and just promote it in new areas. And yeah, that's, that's definitely one of their main missions is to, bring attention to it and kind of cement it as a sport and as a cool new sport in people's minds. I mean, we mentioned in a previous episode as well um, that breakdancing recently became a Olympic sport. So <laughs> spike ball definitely has a chance. Well, dude. Well, yeah, but breakdancing has been around. I think it's been competitive since the eighties. So they did have like a long time of tournaments. So it might be, it might be spike ball is like 20 years down the road. They get into the Olympics and then those Olympics will be canceled because of a global pandemic. But yes, it will. I think, yeah, it's definitely a sport. Uh, would you play it, Trenton? You yeah. didn't get a chance to. <laughs> I did not get a chance to, but hopefully I do soon. Um, it seems fun. It seems very high intensity, very competitive. So yeah, I, I definitely. Yeah, even if it's it. high, you could play it more simply. Like you can bring in the grandma and like just not hit it. Yeah. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. Um, it's definitely suited for both competitive and casual play. Like even even while I've um like gone to club club get-togethers to play with all the other guys who are super guys and girls who are super into the sport, like. You'll, you'll look over um, and see see this you know, group of four people on the same field as you are, but they're just in the corner, like bopping the ball, having fun on their own. So yeah, it's it's definitely open to like, like it's a good, it's, it's fun for players of all skill levels, which is another neat aspect of it. Do you see any uh, grandmas out there? Any groups of four grandmas just playing well, spike ball somewhere? Um, I don't know how many grandmas attend my college, but ah. maybe... Uh, <laughs> Maybe there are. Oh, bring it to like senior homes. Speaking, there was like this weird game where it's like tennis, but they use basically like ping pong paddles. And I see it all the time being played at retirement homes. It's like pickleball or something. Do you know what that is? Pickleball. That's an, unlike, that's a pretty, they have to be somewhat active for that. So you know what? They can play spike ball. Bring it to retirement homes. That's going to be my goal with every sport now is bring it to a retirement home and see if it works there. Even ferret legging, jeez, Jacob. I didn't. We didn't consider ferret legging a sport, so no. But she's rolling. <laughs> she's rolling. Yes. Oh, did you guys okay. go over sapok sapok to craw? Yeah. Uh, yes, we did. That was I'd great. Like to see a grandma play that. Ah, uh, 
kind of. If they're playing with little grandmas, I guess it's fine. But yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> they're literally doing backflips. <laughs> well, I mean, we talked to Kai about Muay Thai. That would be the one you didn't, you won't want your grandmother's doing. I think it's fine if I have them play spike ball, so they won't get into Muay Thai and start beating up each other. Probably work out badly because, like, you have to kick high, and I don't think a lot can. But anyway, we're getting off topic. Well, that was the show. I'm gonna thank Grant for coming on, talking to us. He's got to take that flight all the way back to San Luis Obispo now. Uh, Grant, lots of peanuts on the plane. There you go. Well, I, they don't do peanuts on the plane because that's the thing. They stopped doing peanuts on the plane because of allergies. Because if someone has a peanut allergy on that flight, it's just an enclosed tube of peanut oil. Fine, fine, fine. Biscoff, cook- Biscoff cookies. Okay, those Biscoff cookies are nice. So <laughs> that's a good idea. I've never had the will to eat them. The same thing with Canada, Canada Dry ginger ale. I never wanted to drink it except for when I'm like 5,000 feet in the ale. That's when you want it. And that's the whole point of it. But yeah, back to the actuary ending this. Grant, do you have anything you want to shout out? Um, no. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you could just shout. Ball. Go, go yeah, play. there you go. That was enough. <laughs> go play spike ball. Um, Trent, do you got a fun intro? What are we doing next week? Um, I have no idea what we're doing next, next week. Are we going to be doing the soccer well it depends on what a boss if a boss wants to do quidditch then we'll do quidditch but if he doesn't then we'll do the soccer sports so okay yeah so well as as we typically end these shows we will end it as a mystery as to what we're doing next Okay, next week we'll be doing something but make sure to listen next week you've been listening to sports you've never heard of i'm jacob ellis I'm Trenton Seto, and you're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Adios.